You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. We skipped over just a little bit of Isaiah. We finished last week uh, for, uh, verse 7 of chapter 9. Uh, and we, we've skipped through that, but we'll, we'll briefly think about those in a, verses in a little moment. But Isaiah chapter 11, what's the point? Well, a coming king will gather his people into a new kingdom, okay? That's what Isaiah chapter 11 is looking forward to. A coming king will gather his people into a new kingdom. Last Christmas, Sarah and I very kindly were, were given a gift of a mini Christmas tree. And, well, it didn't make it this Christmas, okay? We weren't sure how to feed it or water, cool, dry, disaster. Houseplants, not, not, not very good at looking after them. And, well, maybe you have a real Christmas tree at home, and you have to deal with a dilemma maybe in your living room, too hot, too cold. Um, you might need to wrap it in cling film to keep it clean. I'm not sure. That was a, some of the boys after Paul's repair a couple of weeks ago were complaining about the Christmas tree. How do you look after it? Well, that was one of the suggestions. I don't think it's a very good one. But the Christmas tree, you need to get a timing right maybe to chop it down and to, to collect it and to put it up in your home and to decorate it or else it might, it might die too soon. It might smell lovely for a little bit. They might die. But imagine with me, we go tomorrow, we go to pick a Christmas tree up, and I say, that's, that's all that's there. Just the stumps of the trees. You'd be saying, no thanks. I'll not take any stumps, thank you. But here in the passage, it looks like it's a hopeless situation for us looking for a Christmas tree. But if the person of the Christmas tree says, if you take this stump, I promise you there'll be a, a new tree come. I promise you there'll be a shoot come, and this time next year you'll have an even better tree than you could have gotten this year. And well, that's the picture of verse 1, isn't it? That there's a shoot comes up from the stump of Jesse. So if you just cast your eye, just back one verse, it's just deforestation before us. Don't tell Greta, okay? Deforestation everywhere. There's just stump. Uh, he will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. There's just stumps in all of Lebanon. And it looks like it's a disaster for all of Israel. But God says, don't worry. There's going to be new life come in the midst of all this difficult circumstances. A tree stump, by all its appearance, might look dead, but God says there's still hope. There's still growth here to be had. And it's this shoot coming from the, the, the seed or the stump of Jesse. Who's Jesse? It's David, King David's father. And why, why, why is it not just the stump of David? I think maybe Isaiah's trying to, and God's trying to teach them the point. This is going to be from humble beginnings. You know, it's not going to be, the King David, everyone knows it as a magnificent kingdom, but here it's, the stump, it's just going back to its humble origins. Somewhere like, I don't know, Bethlehem, in a stable. You know, really humble origins where this kingdom is going to start to grow from. And this stem of Jesse, or root, or stump of Jesse, well, it's, it might be puzzling, but it's just pointing towards this humble kingdom that's going to come. This little, little baby boy that we know is going to be born. And it's just going to be the start of his kingdom. And Isaiah is just telling them over and over again. We've thought about this already, isn't it? They, all the King David's line, they've been disastrous as kings, most of them. But there is going to be one that does come, and that's going to be a shoot out of what looks like a horrible dynasty. And, well, the, the shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. A branch. So it's going to bring life. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. And, well, what, what's, what's that talking about? Well, this branch, word for branch, 
it can double up for green or greenery. And well, in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, Matthew seems to take this verse and he says, so this is after Mary and Joseph. You remember they have to, to flee to Egypt to get away from her because he's killing all the baby boys. And whenever they return, they settle in a town called Nazareth. And well, Matthew 2, 23 says, so this was fulfilled because it was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. He'll be called a Nazir, it would be the words. So it's the same word as the branch or the green here in Isaiah chapter 11. So it's God is continuing to fulfill his word. But before we come to consider this branch, this beautiful branch from Jesse, what have, we, what have we skipped over? So if you just flick back probably in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, we had those wonderful names of Jesus and some of that overlaps into today's passage as well. And you'll see in chapter 9 verse 8 through to chapter 10 verse 4, it is the Lord's anger against Israel. Okay, the, God is showing them why he is angry with them, that they're disobeying him and that the Lord is going to punish them. And then in that next section, it's God's judgment on Assyria, that God is going to dispatch his pe- their people. He's going to get rid of them altogether. Um, and then he finishes uh, with, in then verse 20 of that chapter, of this remnant of Israel, that there's going to be hope in the midst of this all. And then that brings us to what is this hope going to be? This hope is going to be a shoot. It's going to be a shoot from the stump of Jesse, it's going to be Jesus. Jesus, this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, the Prince of Peace, has come to rule. So our first point uh, this evening is that it's simply the Messiah's rule. First thing we see here is the Messiah's rule. Chapter 9 covers that, of course, as well. But this is the shoot, the line of David. That qualifies Jesus, doesn't it? God has promised that the king is going to be from the line of David. That qualifies Jesus to be king but what equips Jesus to be king? You know, if there's a family business, and you see this repeated from time to time, the father has maybe built up the business and it is going great. And then he passes it on to sons, perhaps, or a son. And the son takes over, but the business doesn't go so great. The son gets the responsibility because, well, he's from the family, but he's not necessarily equipped to run the business. And then it maybe falls down. But why is Jesus then given this responsibility? Because, well, he's equipped, isn't he? In verse 2, how is Jesus equipped? The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Jesus is equipped because the Spirit of the Lord is in him. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit rested on or came to the, the kings and the prophets. And for Saul, that was removed. It didn't necessarily rest, but it was removed from Saul. And here, God's Spirit is not going anywhere. It's resting on Jesus. It's secure. It's going to stay. And here we are told that the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Jesus, as God's Spirit rests on us who believe in Jesus. And we're told that as the Spirit rests on Jesus, what will it equip Jesus to do? Well, it will keep Jesus with all wisdom and understanding, counsel and and knowledge and fear of the Lord, the, the Spirit is equipping Jesus. And we see in, in Luke's gospel especially that Jesus grew up with nature and stature in the Lord, that the Holy Spirit was equipping Jesus as he grew up as a boy with a fuller understanding and a greater wisdom and understanding in his human sense. 
So Jesus is fully equipped to be this one that is ruling because he is empowered by the Spirit. But from the equipping to the Messiah, that's good. What about his rule itself? Well, we see in those verses 3, 4, and 5 about his power, the power of the Messiah. The, the Spirit is going to be providing this power. And well, what is this going to look like? Well, this new ruling Messiah is going to bring justice in verse 4, for example. He's going to give the best decisions. Why is Jesus going to give the best decisions? Because he's empowered with the Spirit, that he is all knowledge and fear of the Lord. And the Spirit is providing this power for the Messiah, that he's going to look after the poor on earth, just as Jerusalem weren't. Remember how often we've encountered that they're not looking after the poor, but here the Messiah is going to look after the poor, because uh, people weren't con considering them. And isn't it interesting, verse 3, he will judge by not what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. How do we make all our judgments? With our eyes and our ears often, is not right? What we hear and what we see, why does Jesus not do that? Well, if we go to court, if we do something wrong, uh, and we maybe are guilty, what would we want our lawyer to do? To put a case of reasonable doubt before the, the jury or the judge, that what they hear and what they see makes them doubt what they hear and see elsewhere. But Jesus is not going to judge from what he hears and what he sees, but what he knows. Jesus knows what true justice looks like. He's not going to rely on juries and people bargaining, because he knows. He is the power. He's filled with the Spirit, and he knows exactly what's going to happen. And this ultimately, we see glimpses of it in his gospel ministry on earth, but ultimately that's going to be fulfilled in his second coming, isn't it? And when that second coming does come, this influence of the Messiah is just utterly, utterly remarkable. Look at verses 6 to 9. What does this kingdom that the Messiah is going to rule over look like? Well, creation is going to be in utter harmony. There's some boys and girls here. Today. Madagascar, have you ever seen the film Madagascar? You have? Well, in, in that, I can't remember the name of the lion right now, but the lion, then they all go off to Madagascar, but the lion was a vegetarian in the zoo. Then he gets a taste for meat, doesn't he? And then he, try, he bites Marty's butt, actually, doesn't he? He takes a wee nibble out of Marty the zebra. And well, before that, he didn't know what meat tasted like, that they were living in harmony, a predator living amongst all these just animals that he should have been eating. But should he have been eating them? Well, look at what it says here. It's utterly remarkable. It's a, a lion lying down with a lamb. It seems utterly ridiculous, an impossibility, yet the reign of Jesus is going to bring such a picture of peace. You know, we have in our mind documentary footage of you know, leopards chasing after, after lambs or antelopes, whatever it might be. And here we have verse 6, the wolf will live with the lamb. Instead of going into the, the folds at night, taking the sheep, the wolves are going to sleep with the sheep. They're going to lie down beside them. There's going to be utter harmony. What, what we anticipate in the documentaries and what we maybe enjoy watching, it's just going to be the total opposite. We'll be in utter amazement of the lion just walking alongside the antelope. No desire to eat them or to bite them. That's what this new king is going to bring. Way back in Genesis, Adam, the, the false king, if you like, he brought spiritual death. But he also brought physical death. And it created all this chaos in the world and in nature. And well, Jesus, when he comes back, this is the picture. 
spiritual and physical redemption. It's utterly amazing. And we get a little glimpse of this in the life of Jesus. Do you know that? Whenever Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Satan, in, in Mark's gospel, after Jesus is tempted, he immediately is ministered to by the angels. And Mark tells us, with the wild animals. The wild animals coming to Jesus, ministering to him. How, why? Maybe it's a little picture of this. Animals that maybe would have devoured him wild. They're ministering to Jesus. This is a little glimpse of what actually Jesus has come to do. Not, yes, to save us from our sins, but not just that, but to restore all of creation to the, there is no more sin, a creation full of peace, bringing us back to Eden, this new heavens and new earth. It's an incredible picture here, a picture of carnivores with animals they should be eating, goats and calves, not thinking dinner, but thinking friends. It's an extraordinary picture. Boys and girls petting lions without fear and losing their arm, swimming in the sea with sharks. I don't know what. That's the picture that the verse 8 gives, isn't it? The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. They're not going to be snatched by the cobra. They're not going to be bitten on the heel. It's like Mowgli in the jungle book. It is. It's that wonderful picture of animals and humans living together. And there will be a day when the lamb will lie down with the lion. It's an idyllic picture of peace, safety, and security. And as we trust in Jesus, we have the hope of redemption in Jesus. He will redeem us, giving us this resurrection hope as we trust him. But he also brings physical hope. Hope where there be no aches or pains or sickness or disease, where death is defeated, where wars are no more, disease is abolished. And nature itself is brought to peace. And it's who does this. It's only the one anointed by the Spirit that can renew nature. It's only Jesus that can renew this world. No one else. Only Jesus. Only the one who created it, who loves this world, can restore this world. And when we bow to the rule of Jesus, he will bring us into this kind of kingdom, this paradise, Eden restored where everything is safe and pleasant. And whatever happens to us, nothing can prevent our joy in the future when Jesus comes again. We'll be living in utter paradise. The Messiah's rule is glorious. It is peaceful. But he needs people, doesn't he? And that's our second point, the Messiah gathering people. Here that there will be nobody missing in action, Jesus will gather all people together. So you'll see just very briefly in verse 11, all these lists of names of people, and they're being brought back to Israel. Some people would say, well, that's a post-Second World War. That's, that, that's when that is fulfilled, whenever Israel was given land again. But no, it, it's not fulfilled then. There's a little glimpse of whenever they come back from exile that this is fulfilled. But what God is talking about is not... 1948. He's talking about whenever Jesus comes back. Whenever Jesus is going to gather all these people together, because, well, verse 10, Jesus is a banner for the world. On, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The Messiah is to be this elevated shoot, this beautiful branch that all people would look at and see, that they would see Jesus as worthy of praise. Back in chapter 5, 
and verse 26, there was a banner also. This is what verse 26 says. He lifts up a banner for the distant nations. He whistles for those at the ends of the earth. Here they come swiftly and speedily. There, that banner in chapter 5 was a banner of judgment, a banner of disaster coming to Israel. But now this banner, this shoot, this Jesus, it's not just a banner of judgment, but it's a banner that will bring blessing. A banner, a signal that says, I'm going to bring blessing to the world. What is that signal? It's the serpent lifted up on the cross, isn't it? In the wilderness, in Moses' day. It's Jesus, high and lifted up as the signal of hope and of life. He brings us into his family. He wins it for us through his love for us on the cross. That is the banner for the nations. That is why every missionary goes over the world to lift the banner of Jesus. Not just the banner of Jesus, but the banner of his cross. That is the signal. And for those who come to him, what will happen? The verse continues, and this place of rest will be glorious. You've just seen a little picture of that glorious rest happening with the animals. That's going to be our rest. Our rest will be glorious. We hold up the gospel as a banner. We look to Jesus so we can see through all the chaos of life that he is our resting place. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes upon Jesus. In all of life, he is the banner we are to look to always. The resting place is not simply what people say about the grave. That's false in so many ways. Here, what Jesus has given is a place of rest. It's home. It's truly home. After a long day of work, what do you love to do? I suspect lie on the, not lying so far, slump on the sofa, kick your shoes off, and nothing better than a fire should is not for many of us. A picture of rest for us. Well, that's just a little taster, if you like, of what awaits for us. Because we're so much glorious. We find true rest in Jesus. He is this banner we are to continue to look to and to trust. He is the banner of the world. And well, he will gather the nations under this banner. He will gather the nations home. So in verses 12 through to 16, we have a very clear picture of the Exodus again, don't we? There's maybe different uh, images that might help us remember. So uh, in verse 16, for example, that there will be a highway for the remnant of his people, like a three-way. That's God opening up the Red Sea, if you like. And it's, it's after Pharaoh has forced the ten plagues. This is the, that's the picture, isn't it? The waters separate, and there's a, a three-way, a fair-way. But next is 14. It's God's spirit, a wind spirit that opens up the way. And well, here it's Jesus filled with the spirit coming to rescue his people. The spirit that parted the, the, the Red Sea so that God's people could walk through well, this time, God's going to create another highway through the Egyptian Sea and the Euphrates River. It says here that these two bodies of water to the north and the south of Israel are going to be clear for all the people to come home. In verse 12 and verse 11, it's just every corner of the earth are being gathered in. From all directions, it's just going to be easy access to this. There's going to be no more stumbling blocks in the way. There's no Red Sea in the road or Euphrates River. It's just going to be so easy for all of God's people to gather in. 
That's what, that's what the, Isaiah, the picture is given here. Think of, uh, of being on holiday and seeing a, a bus tour or a tour guide. You know what I'm thinking of? You know, the backpack on, the two red flags up, and they've got all their little ducks walking behind them. And they're following the red flags. It's like the banner, and they're, they're just following it. And whenever we were on a school, school trip in Paris, whenever I taught, you know, we had our little page to hold up whenever we had our eight kids to gather up. Uh, and they would see, whatever, my green page, and they would come to me because they were in the green group. And it was to, to keep them all safe. It was to, there, here's my banner, come. And well, here is this picture, you know, Jesus has raised a banner for everyone to rally to him. And that's the banner for us to, to run to. And that's what we're doing as the mission of the church as well, isn't it? God came to rescue his people in the Exodus. And Isaiah is promising that God is going to do it again. Even though they would rebel against God, even though they were cast east of Eden and an angel was placed outside of Eden to, to stop the people from coming in, Although we might be restless, not feeling at home, just like Israel quite often, Jesus is inviting us to come home and relax in him and through him. God is going to raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. They will go off to exile, and they will come home eventually, many of them. And in the, the New Testament, we know that Israel becomes the church, and the church is scattered all over the world, from the four corners of the earth, and there's a time coming when the root of Jesse will stand and the banner of the peoples will come to him, where Jesus will gather all his people. God is going to fulfill this promise of bringing a blessing to all nations, and he does it through Jesus. And for the church today, we are supposed to be a picture of all different kinds of people coming under one banner. For Israel, they are all one ethnic origin, mostly. We know some of the famous examples like Rahab and some others whenever they came out of Egypt too. And they were all brought in to be one people. But now in the New Testament age, the Gentiles are also brought into God's kingdom, especially in this age after Jesus' ascension. That is why Paul repeatedly writes that we're all equal in Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free, Jew or Gentile. We're people from all different places. All different backgrounds here today can come under one banner of Jesus. It's an utter miracle. It's an utter miracle. There is coming this spiritual reality that this kingdom, that God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is going to be extended, not just for Israel, but for all corners of the earth. And it's our mission as the church to do so, isn't it? To bring people under that banner of Jesus, to point to that banner Yes, as a signal of judgment to come, but also that they should be following that banner for their lives. Why? Because he will rally, the peoples will rally to him, and they will find this place of rest. It's the only place you'll find rest, not in our holidays or anything like that, but our rest is only found in Jesus. This stump of Jesse. It looked so hopeless and pathetic in the fields outside of Bethlehem. Doesn't Samuel say to all the other sons, you know, they look good, and David's a weakling looking? But God says, that's the king. He looked to our baby Jesus born in a manger in a stinky stable in Bethlehem. People are like, is that really the king? Yet he is. 
And that is the coming king that will gather his people into a new kingdom, a kingdom full of peace in every imaginable way, even ways we maybe haven't thought about before. The lion, lion with the lamb, where there'll be utter rest for all of his people. But we need to be looking to the banner of Jesus, looking to him constantly, always knowing that he will gather us in. There's going to be no one missing in action. God will, it says in verse 11, reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Magrathoth, from Yemen, from every corner of the earth. There's going to be no one missing. All those under the banner of Jesus will be in this glorious place of rest. Thank you. 